Our gospel text comes from the beginning of the 25th chapter of Matthew's gospel. And prior to that, throughout all of the 24th chapter, Jesus predicted the destruction of the Temple of Jerusalem, the invasion of the city of Jerusalem and its destruction, increase in wars, famines, pestilences, and earthquakes, a period of intense persecution of the church, and finally the second coming, which will bring human history to an end. He was very clear, no human being knows the day or the hour. The best one can do, indeed all one should be focused on, is being watchful. And then Jesus offered parables on how to be prepared by living our lives as, he's in, as he empowers us to, despite the inevitable hardships, the trials, and the tragedies that shall come. And now all that is the background for tonight's reading. Jesus deliberately used the imagery of a marriage feast for his parable. Many of the Old Testament prophets compared the coming of God's kingdom to a wedding feast, a grand banquet in which there was nothing but an abundance of food, wine, music, friends, dancing, and joy. Unlike today when a marriage is considered pretty much a private matter between the couple and maybe their families, then it was a very public concern because the success or failure of every marriage had an impact on the entire community. I could argue it still does, though many today give it very little thought. It was the tradition in Jesus' day for virgins, what we might today call bridesmaids, to keep watch for the coming of the bridegroom. In some cases, it was the father of the bridegroom who decided when his son should go and collect his bride, and the father kept the hour a secret. God the Father knows the exact moment when he will send his son to bring judgment on earth, raise the dead, and claim his bride, us, his church. It was the task of the virgins to keep vigil and then escort the bridegroom to his bride. The underlying idea is that of one, uh, is one of intense anticipation of a joyful, life-changing event for the entire community to celebrate despite all the chaos and evil that everyone's been experiencing. And this tells us that the Christian even when caught up in all the struggles of daily life, must never give up the joy that is his or her rightful inheritance, the coming of the Lord. In a few weeks, we start Advent, believe it or not, and the Advent is focusing on the second coming of Jesus. Everything we endure in this life must be seen from this perspective. The Lord is coming. It provides a deep assurance and a quiet joy that speaks to others that are lost in this world of ours. Jesus deliberately divides the ten virgins into two groups, the wise and the foolish. Now, why this division? Earlier in the gospel, Jesus warned we must be vigilant, read the signs of the times, and act, live accordingly. 
There are those who will be wise and do so. There will be fools who will not. What do the lamp and the oil signify? This was a cause for intense speculation by early church fathers. The consensus was that the lamp was the heart. That is, for the ancients' perspective, the whole of one's being that burned on the oil of charity. St. Augustine, for example, in a sermon he gave sometime during the 400s said, for oil swims above all liquids. Pour in water and pour in oil upon it. The oil will swim above. Pour in oil, pour in water upon it, the oil will swim above. If you keep the usual order, you'll be uppermost. If you change the order, it will be uppermost. Charity never fails. The wise virgins took flasks of oil for the lawn vigil. They represent disciples who order their lives in such a way that they allowed the grace of faith to direct their actions, offer their works, the charity inspired by faith, and they shall have no cause for shame when the bridegroom arrives, whatever the day, whatever the hour. The foolish ones, however, who claim to be disciples, have failed to bring flasks of oil. They have failed to have lives of charity, revealing that they did not allow the grace of faith to govern their lives, and they are ill-prepared for the coming of the bridegroom. Jesus then tells us that all the virgins fell asleep. Sleep is common to the prepared and the unprepared, but those prepared can sleep in peace. They have nothing to worry about. The unprepared delude themselves. Notice that when the cry was heard, the bridegroom comes. There's no indication who made the cry. St. Hilary Portier, writing in the 300s, finds his answer in St. Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 4, verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the archangel's call, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. The foolish virgins, says Jesus, realized they had no oil. In other words, their hearts were dimming rapidly from neglecting their faith during the course of their lives, and they did not use their time to engage in the acts of charity that faith should have inspired them to do. So what do they do? They ask the wise ones, give us some of your oil. And you see something rather interesting. It looks as though it's, well, uncharitable. They refused. Why? You cannot give to another the faith-inspired works of charity that come from a heart that says yes to the grace of God. You can't do it. Their foolishness was more evident when they took the advice of the wise ones to go to the merchant buy some oil. Why? You cannot buy grace. You cannot buy the works of grace. And what time of the night were they sent off to the merchant? Oh, you heard the gospel, raise your hands. 
Midnight. Anybody other than maybe Walgreens, is there anything open at midnight? The advice was actually a well-deserved rebuke. Grace is always freely given, patiently waiting for a free-willed response. But no one can do that for another person. And this is instructive to the church in every age. The wise disciple can only help so much with the foolish one. At some point, the foolish disciple shall have to stand on his or her own two feet and accept the consequences of his or her choices. And then Jesus tells us the fools rushed off on a fool's errand to buy what cannot be bought. Then the bridegroom arrived. Joy prevailed. And, says Jesus, the door was what? Shut. The Messiah has claimed his bride, us, his church. The foolish ones came back crying out, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. And his response, a very chilling one, Amen, meaning so be it. I say to you, I do not know you. It is the love we were graced to give, the charity we were graced to offer that makes us recognizable to the Lord as his true disciples. We either use our time on this earth wisely or we use it foolishly. It is our choice.